So today, I was, well, this week I was reading through my, uh, just, just in my McShane Bible reading calendar, just the yearly Bible reading calendar. And um, it's not chronological, it, but it takes you through the New Testament twice in a year and the Old Testament once. And um, I'm not in sequence with the actual date because I'm ahead, so I started through it again. And, and as I'm reading through Isaiah, uh, I ran across this section of Scripture. So in honor of God and His Word, let's stand in Isaiah chapter 66. Isaiah chapter 66, verses 1 through 4. Isaiah 66, 1 through 4. And we will see what the Lord has to share with us today. Isaiah chapter 66, verses 1 through 4. Now, as before we read this text, you have to know, this is a judgment text. This is God giving to Israel and informing them of what they've done in the past is led to what's happening them now and in their future. The Babylonians are coming. Now, Isaiah is a hundred years before the actual event begins to happen. But this is what he has to say in regards to their dead worship. Their, their worship that is merely outward, but it's not inward. Okay, it looks good on the outside, but it's not real on the inside. So let's read Isaiah 66, verses 1 through 4. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one I will look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. Verse 3, he who kills a bull as if, he is, as if he slays a man. He who sacrifices a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck. He who offers a grain offering as if he offers swine's blood. He who offers or he who burns incense as if he blesses an idol. Just as they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations. Now notice verse 4. This is the verse that caught my eye this week. So I will choose their delusions and bring their fears on them. Because when I called, no one answered. And when I spoke, they did not hear. But they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I do not delight. Let's pray. God, we come to this set of passages and, and we understand looking back and reading and knowing our history about how you dealt with covenant Israel and, and, and under that mosaic system and the covenant that they broke with uh, impunity. And God, we come up to this passage in Isaiah 66, referring back to 65. But God, we see that everything they were doing for you in Judah was merely outward. And the nation thought that it was going to just continue on. But it stopped. Under King Josiah, after him, and a few vassal kings later, the nation found themselves on the long walk to penalty there in Babylon. God, we see things happening in our nation, which isn't a chosen nation, but yet in which your people dwell. God, help us to understand the brevity or the, 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 uh, the severity of and the sobriety of this text. In Jesus' name, amen.
hey, how did you do that? We're, okay. You just, what did he say? So, Randy and I had a milestone conversation last night. She said, you know, I think that it's time we go have our hearing checked. Because I'm hearing her tell me to do things, and then I do them, but apparently I heard wrong. But she can't hear either, because I'll say, well, you said this. What? I said, see? I, you know, I don't mind. I, that's fine. That's just how it is. Thanks, JT. You get a gold star. <clears throat> So the consequences of godless spirituality is what we just read in Isaiah 66. And that's what we have in the southern kingdom of Judah. Now they have watched their ten northern tribes brethren be carted off to Assyria before. Because they, under the leadership and, and, and the instigation of Jeroboam in the beginning, created an alternate view of God. An alternate place of worship. They might call it, and I'm going to play on this a bit, they called it an alternative lifestyle. Spiritually speaking, they literally carved out and made an alternative lifestyle. We'll move instead of the central place where God has chosen for His self to make His name great, there in Jerusalem, we're going to put it over here in Samaria. We're going to erect this big altar. Here's two big golden Bulls or calves, whatever. It's always bovine. I don't get that. And they begin to worship these things because after all, the pragmatic pragmatism said through Jeroboam, it's too far for you to go all the way to Jerusalem. Just do it here. You, you, didn't, you don't need to, to stress yourself. God understands. He's a God of love after all. And so... The ten nations got gobbled up under, I believe it was Tiglath Pilzer III. Lastly, in that Assyrian reign was Ashurbanipal. Well, then Babylon came along and gobbled him up. Where did those ten northern tribes go? They got absorbed into the culture. But it wasn't just any culture. It was a godless culture. Idolatry will never leave you neutral. It will cost you. And it will exact from you a price you don't want to pay. We're going to soon see that though we're talking about now the southern kingdom of Judah. God says any land that does these things will have penalty thrust upon them. But first... Let's understand what we're up against here in this chapter. Isaiah 66 verses 1 through 4 is largely about worship. You can see that in the text when he says, Where is the house that you will build me there in verse 1? Of course, we remember when David desired to build a house for God. God says, you can't fit me in a box. But I understand your heart. And I will allow your son to build me a house. And it was a great big house, okay? And then later, it was burned. This is the house that is referring to the burning. Now, you've got to understand, 
I forget how many hundreds of years it was that that house stood. But it was beautiful to behold. Large, massive. And they thought it was just going to keep going on for them. That's what sin first does. It deludes those who commit its trespasses to believe that they have plenty of time to continue on. Some of you gray heads in here remember a different America. But now I'll bet you if you could get up here and articulate the dots you've seen connect from what you saw coming whenever God began to bring you in on the decay then that you saw. And, and I'm a 73 model, so I'm having to look back and go, well, the 60s generation was a big turn. Woodstock was a big deal because it meant more than just a music concert. It was a, it was a statement. It was a, it was a step in a new direction for an alternative lifestyle. Spiritually speaking, it was. We saw the advent of, well, when the Beatles came on, uh, this worship, if you will, of a band and music and young girls throwing themselves at the group. Now, Elvis started off with that, but the Beatles really just put it in overdrive. And we begin to see the cultural decay really begin to come in. Of course, with them came transcendental meditation and, and all these other things. Spiritualism became new. New age belief systems. Because after all, the Beatles are so cool. And I love their music so much. That what they say must be true. And they, weren't, they were very vocal in saying what they were into. Drugs took on new new form and new a new place in culture not that it had never been there but it was unlo- it was unleashed homosexuality the whole free love movement all of the question authority don't believe anyone over 30 all of that cast off restraint the the, the legal systems the, the the institutions of religion all of it in a culture begin to crumble and now we've just gone through and it's spread. Well, that had happened in, in, in Judah's specifically, in Israel's before, but then in Judah's history. And now they come to the point, right? There comes a point. You understand that, right? There, there comes a point where you've got to stop or it's, it's destruction. I often think of the first wagon trains that come up to the Snake River Canyon over here in the night. I wonder if they saw it in time. Right? Because it comes to a point where you can't stop a team on a dime, can you? It's an, it's, it, it's an impregnable uh, fixture of the Earth's landscape. You can't just go over it. You, it's stop now or die. Right? And that's where we are. Oh, yeah. And so as we look at this, this is about first it shows up in the heart of worship among God's people. And you begin to manufacture and we begin to create new ways to worship God that only the Spirit can supply. But we come up with our ideas and our alternatives. And then we get into the ethereal, the emotional, 
the therapeutic. And we leave behind the doctrine of God and the sin of man and the beauty of Christ as the only hope. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked. It says so. Verse, this, is what, this is what verse 3 is all about. He who kills a bull as if he slays a man. He who sacrifices a lamb. If he, in other words, when they were coming and offering these offerings to their heart, as God saw it, they might as well have been sacrificing a dog. They had no respect for what this place, this temple represented. They had no respect for what the, from what the God that they had been brought up to and hearing about went through the Red Sea, got fed by manna from heaven, and all of the things that the tabernacle we've been studying represented, they've lost it all. They begin to manufacture. And so God says he detests the sacrifice of the wicked. The thoughts of the wicked in Proverbs 15 says are an abomination to the Lord. Even their very thoughts. But the words of the pure are pleasant. Notice, notice the compare and contrast here of the, the godly and the ungodly. The Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked. But he delights in the prayers of the upright. It makes my stomach turn. Turn. Whenever I hear people virtue signal and use God's name as a, as a soapbox to say pray for us in our persecution when all they're really talking about are their sexual vices and their right to kill the little ones. Something that's occurred to me that, that just... My grandkids have completely stole I mean they they have they be, I'm I can't help it you know okay we have our smallest one there little Addie doesn't weigh any more than a feather and I think when I'm playing with my little grandson we live in a culture today Given the right circumstance, given the right people, they would kill them. They would kill them. What do we do with that? Oh, always remember this too. They start with the young ones and they move on to the old ones. And then they move to whoever they deem worthy. We had that lesson on Nazi Germany. Verse 3, and I know I've skipped a few here, but we'll get there. As I was talking about this, he who kills a bull as if he slays a man, he who sacrifices a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck, and he who offers a grain offering as if he offers swine's blood. He who burns incense as if he blesses an idol, just as they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations, comma. Before we move on, listen to what Matthew Poole has to say on this. To offer a sacrifice with a heart resolved when it is offered to go on in sinful courses. In other words, to come to church to sing praises with the whole intention of keeping on in your sinful lifestyle. 
is to offer it with an evil mind. This is a dreadful text to those persons who murder and steal and swear and curse and lie and commit adultery and then come and stand before God in His house, which is called by His name, that is, come to serve Him in acts of worship. This is, to God, this is repugnant. And this is what they were doing in the southern kingdom of Judah, in Jerusalem, at the temple. Much of what I have described is happening across our land in the churches. But you have to understand, not every building that has a church sign is actually a church of Jesus Christ. It's a cheap imitation, in which case we're seeing that. But I read something that gives me a lot of optimism. Apparently, under the Gen Z's, That would be Jesse's and below, Cassidy and others. The Gen Z's, okay. There is a very great openness to spiritual things. We have an opportunity as God's people to speak those spiritual things. That means you have to take a stand to speak. But I'll say this. Spirituality can be very, very ungodly. And the consequences of godless spirituality are breathed out in this chapter as we get down into our verses. Before we go there, Psalm 50, 16-23. But to the wicked, God says, What right have you to declare my statutes? Or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing you hate instruction, and cast my words behind you. When you saw a thief, you consented with him, and have been a partaker with adulterers. You give your mouth to evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I kept silent. And this is the part that I... You thought that I was altogether like you. But I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes. Now consider this, you who forget God, lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver. Whoever offers praise glorifies me and to him who orders his conduct aright, I will show the salvation of God. I want you to know something. There, were, there was a remnant of believing, faithful Jews in the days of the exile. And they marched off to Babylon. And they served God faithfully there. Some of them came back. There's going to always be God's people. But remember what you're here for. It isn't to get your big fat retirements from your 401. That can be useful in your mandate. It's to serve the Lord your God with fear and trembling until you're done. And when you retire, you have more time. I'm not laughing. It's true. 
What are you going to say on that day? When, maybe you're asked, did you spend the time you could have spent interceding? You weren't pressed to go to the work. Did you spend your time in shepherding and instructing and teaching? You weren't pressed to have to get to the job. Did you spend your time in getting to know the young ones so they could have a picture of how life works? There was no one pulling on you to be anywhere. Or did you occupy yourself with your own schedule and your own agenda? Did you ask me to make out your calendar? Oh, and by the way, for those of you that work, My dad always used to say this. God gave everybody 24 hours in a day. Spend it right. How, how are you going to use the time you do have? Now the Lord is a gracious master. He is. I'm not saying come camp out at this building. In fact that could be part of the problem. Hunker in the bunker. Our job is to express the gospel to the world around us. However your job, wherever it may take you, whether it be rubbing shoulders with other scientists or doctors or lawyers, judges, police officers, law enforcement, be the light, man. Leave a salt streak wherever you go. Because that's our job. I get angry because we have such a defeatist mentality. And all I see is victory. Victory. I don't want to miss a thing. I get mad at myself because sometimes I begin to listen to the vibe and the, the, I think it's the Iranian Christians who fled came to America and went back, it was because of what they called the lullaby of Satan in this country that says, you have time. Take it easy and enjoy. Well, look around you. Did you know the very places that Isaiah, that Isaiah is prophesying here, the temple and these scene, this scene here, that burned down. There come a day. Jeremiah talks about it. He said, the dust is right there. And there it was. So let's look at this. Verse 4. To lead up, it says, Just as they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations. So how bad do you have to get to where your abominations are what you live for? Right now we live in a culture Primarily that's being uh, promoted, protected, and, and propagandized to us. That they can be homosexual, change their sex, transgender. And an irony of ironies in the LGBTQIA, do you know what the A stands for? Asexual. These are people that don't care about sex at all. They don't have any inclination whatsoever. And they're wrapped right into it. They're the kind that says, I don't even like chocolate. 
Why do you invite me to your party? But they're so consumed with it. Now, what's connected to that? The destruction of innocent lives, little children. Imagine in Montana right now, in a certain place, I can't remember, it's, but it's associated with Montana. If a woman has a, a child or maybe it's a botched abortion and the child lives, it can writhe to death on the table. They leave it there. Now you tell me what the next step is for culture. Okay, We've already known what they were doing back in the Clinton years with partial birth abortion, piercing the skull and sucking the brains out so it could technically be born dead. And now, when they were so given to saying it's a fetus, remember that back in the Clinton years? The, the feet? I've watched interview after interview on YouTube with ministries that try to go on campus and talk about the reality of this. They're no longer afraid or ashamed to say it's a baby. No. The young girls now are saying, yeah, I know it's a baby and I'll kill it if I want to. That, they're that emboldened. So you tell me what's next. We have men in our culture pretending to be women, telling women that they're more of a, a woman than they are. And they're being protected and promoted. And the women who, who speak back against that are being penalized. And this mostly is happening in the sporting world. Okay? And guess who that's all praying against? The little children. Now we've moved on. If we can't kill them, we'll pervert them. And they want to take, and parents, and if you're here and you're a parent and you've ever taken your child to a drag queen show, let's talk. But I'll say this. They want to get the children's souls. Because you know what? It's not a political issue. This is a spiritual issue. And this, it's, all it is is inadvertent demonic worship. And when you have rebellion stemming from hearts like that, there is no low that's too low that you'll ever run out of lows. But that's not the scariest part. It's when God moves in. The word delusions. He says, I will choose their delusions and bring their fears on them. Matthew Poole again, the meaning is, I will be no kinder to them than they have been to me. They have chosen to mock and delude me. I will choose to allow them to delude themselves or have chosen to work wickedness. I will choose the effect. Now, how about that? How about that? I can't think of anything more scary than to be given the green light on all of my fleshly machinations to destruction. The sense undoubtedly is that God would choose out for them the kind of punishment which would be expressive of His sense of the evil of their conduct. And what that looks like is... Have you guys ever seen a pack of dogs fight? I have. We used to have packs out in the country and Three or four or five of them running. And then one day they'd just be tearing each other to shreds. That's what they do. That's what happens. And that's what's happening. 
the reason for this consequence. Out of Jeremiah chapter 2, the weeping prophet. Why is he weeping? Because he knows what's about to come. In other words, it's coming. It's, it's about here. It's, it's about to happen. I mean, in other words, uh, how far is too far? Well, when you can no longer back up. And we've actually reached that. Okay. Think with me first. Places like Portland or, or, or places in, in, in New York or Chicago or, or any of others, these various cities in all the states. Things, civil disobedience has led to anarchy in these pockets, right? There is no way to get it back without violence. Or, or God moving in. Because we're, we're the church. We're ambassadors for the kingdom. How powerful is that gospel? But do you see what I'm saying? There's no political solution for that. And even if you do go in and completely annihilate them, do you realize the consequences that come from actions like that? I like what one gentleman that used to go to... Brother Gary, a student of history, wonderful mind. He said, Mickey, this is what's going to happen. And when the blood starts running, it's hard to get it to turn off. But for God. So Jeremiah 2, have you not thought, or have you, he says this, have you not brought this on yourself? Here's a question of owning your sin, right? In that you have forsaken the Lord your God when he led you in the way. How many times have we as God's people been guilty of this too? We have forsaken the Lord when he, was, when he led us in the way. We brought stuff on ourselves. We do it in our Christian lives individually. Sometimes we get what's known as backslidden. And we begin to take up uh, activities that are not becoming of a Christian. And it seeps in slowly. Starts off. There'll never be a moment when you can let up. I talked about that last week. A little weed is always going to grow somewhere in the corner of the garden of your soul. And if you let it go, it'll be like the ones I talked about at the men's breakfast or men's dinner Friday night. They're too big for the hoe now. You have to get a shovel. But oh no, the root systems have completely encompassed the plant that's good and fruiting so that when you pry up the weed, you kill the plant. What do you do? Surgical removal. It's harder. But he says this. Why take the road to Egypt? To drink the waters of the Nile. That's what Sihor is. Or why take the road to Assyria? To drink the waters of the river Euphrates. Your own wickedness will correct you. Did you see that part happen on the screen behind me? Your own wickedness will correct you. And believe me, there will come a time. And we will see it. When what we see happening around us will melt to the point that the misery will be palatable. It will correct you. We know that from personal sin, don't we? We do, don't we? Mm -hmm. So, stupid analogy, I got full of them. Okay, All preachers are. 
when I was first here, when Renee and I first here, if we started, I was, I was actually still down at Hagerman, pastoring. We had just moved to Idaho. Pomerel's over there, going to go skiing. I got uh, Weston at that time, and Jesse both. And we're up there, and Randy says to me, on the way, do not try to jump anything. <laughs> but I'm like 20-something years old still. Of course I can jump stuff. So, I go up to the very tip top, and I decided that I'm going to go fast, and there was a little bump. I'm going to... Right off the lift, too. Ski stuck straight in the... Stuck right in it, and I scorpion over. And I broke my vert... Like a back part of my... Uh, that stuff back there, the bone. Okay, Rindy was here, she could say, it's this... And so I had to do a wedding that night, and I had to stand like this. And it was like this for a week or more, maybe two. It was just, crazy. I couldn't lay down. I couldn't, it was, all I could do was this, and that was the only thing that made it not hurt. Eventually, it went away. Finally, went to a chiropractor and said, have you broke your back? Because I guess there's a... You, and so now, 50 years later, that thing comes and says, today's your day. Do you remember when your wife said, don't jump the mogul? I'm just reminding you again that this is happening. Yeah, oh, by the way, I'm getting worse. So we have things in our Christian life that corrects us. Do you know how many moguls I've jumped since? Does it matter? No. I mean, I, but it hurt and it reminds me. And this is what this is saying that your own wickedness will correct you and your backslidings will rebuke you. Know therefore and see that it is an evil and bitter thing that you have forsaken the Lord your God. That's why it's happening. I wish somebody with a big voice and a big microphone and all the TV cameras tied into the social media platforms that we have would get on and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I wish somebody that had some credibility, somebody would say that. I wish somebody would say, what you're doing is evil and wrong. It'll never be right. You can't convince yourself of what's not really true. It's going to exist. This is true. This is happening. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I wish somebody would say that. Somebody. And that's why I think we pray for God to raise up somebody to say it. I wish somebody would just say the obvious. You'll never be the sex that you just innately are. That's all you're going to be. You can cut pieces off. You can add pieces. But your chromosomes will never lie. Ever. Because it's who you are. The rest is spiritual. And that goes for the life. That little baby is as much value right there as Jesse holds her. As she was the moment she was conceived. And I don't see any of them lining up to be wiped out themselves. Jeremiah 4, 18, your ways and your doings have procured these things for you. This is your wickedness because it is bitter, because it reaches to your heart. Your heart. Your heart. Bear with me and we'll finish up here. Ezekiel chapter 14.
Now, Ezekiel was actually, <laughs> all of his stuff came out while he was in Babylon. Okay? And here's what he has to say in verse 12. The word of the Lord came again to me saying, Son of man. Now, here's the warning. So we've been talking about Judah, right? And you say, well, we're, we're not Jews. Listen. When a land, when a land, a land, it means anybody. Sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness. I will stretch out my hand against it and I will cut off its supply of bread, send famine on it and cut off man and beast. I don't have time to read it all, but I would say this. That's what happens. God rises up and he begins to make you a little more pliable. And that's a mercy. Did you know pain is a mercy? Because if you didn't have it, you would literally destroy yourself, wouldn't you? Okay. A corrupt society cannot expect to be exonerated on the grounds that it has a few saints in the midst any more than Judah could appeal to say, well, look, we still got some good Jews here. Nor can having a godly ancestor atone for the faults of a corrupt family. Ezekiel warns Jerusalem not to make such a mistake. Its retribution was coming, though some would be saved because there always is. Remember what Jesus said? The gates of hell would never prevail against the church. Ever. They've been... Communism... In its purest form there in China. Has been trying to stomp out the church. For almost a hundred. I don't know how many the anniversary of Red China is. But maybe almost close to a hundred years now. They have yet. To stomp out the church. In fact. All they've done is seek to. Seem to have just spread it around. I tried to stomp out a fire once in the pasture. And all I did was hasten my demise. Here's why this is happening. Back to our focal text. Because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not hear. But they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I do not delight. We read in 65, if you go through the text, they did it with impunity. They are judged by it. Romans chapter 9 talks about what the nation did to offend God, but God talks about the remnant that will be saved in it. But we have a problem where we are. Everyone's a philosopher. And I think one of the, you all go to the doctors, I'm sure. We have a retired physician here, Dr. Henry who at the advent of the internet and WebMD, I'm sure, had a whole different world that he had to deal with. I just wonder how many conversations Rich had to endure with people coming and saying, well, Doc, here's what's wrong with me. I disagree with you. But I've been online. And I have fashioned an opinion that I have this, 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 and this, and so you need to prescribe this, 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 and this. To which he had to listen to patiently. And then seek to tell them why they didn't know anything. But they read it online and they studied, right? I mean, everybody can. How many years of medical school? Four. And then 
So let's see, 27 years to be able to rightly diagnose you, and you got online for 10 minutes. (laughs) Oh, and you got whatever Google wanted you to see, because they work that out. I got people coming to me, or I talk to people on the street. They have a good philosophy of religion. Well, God and I have an arrangement. I have heard that. I go up on the mountain and out to the lake. And, you know, he visits with me there. And now I don't know if it's because I'm 50 or I'm just tired. But I say, you don't have an arrangement with God, I know. Because that's not what the Bible says. And I'll show them text. text, Then they get mad at the text. See, that's the problem here. You're rebellious. You rebel against the one who said that he commands all men everywhere to repent. And you're trying to find your own arrangement. There's a tactful way of doing that. But I just wish we would become a little bit more bold. Let's look with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Real quick. You remember how I said there, there comes a time when you can no longer back up? First, first, uh, first Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 16. These front verses are just to keep it in context. But for this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in the truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So you, you have to believe The word of God. For you brethren became imitators of of the churches of God. Who are in Judea and in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen. So clearly as Christians they were suffering. We know they were. The first persecutors of the church were unbelieving Jews. Okay. Just as they did the Judeans who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets. That's bad. And have have persecuted us. And they do not please God and are contrary to all men. Now notice verse 16. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved. So, this is the part. So as always, to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the uttermost it wasn't long this is first Thessalonians written somewhere around AD 49 51 so roughly about 20 years later AD 70 came that whole thing was wiped out there's the verse but the wrath has come upon them to the uttermost you know what that's saying there comes a time When the last measure is added. And it doesn't matter if you're a Jewish nation or not. If any land sins against me by persistent unfaithfulness. Now look at our land. What are we going to do as the church? What do we do with that? I'm going to close with 2 Peter 
This is a story about Lot. And the the Bible actually calls Lot a righteous man. I mean, when you read that, you think, I don't know how. but, But God looks on the heart. And he says his righteous soul was tormented from day to day by the culture that he lived in. Do you want to know what kind of culture Lot lived in? Ours. Now, can you say, well, it was progressively worse? Hmm? Yeah, we haven't had any mobs of, of, uh, well, actually. Do you see how kind of sobering that is? Now, even ten years ago, we could say that. Five years ago, we could say that. But we can't say that now. Lot's righteous soul was tormented by those people. But look here. The Lord knows how, in verse 9, to deliver the godly out of temptations or trials. It's it's trials. And to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. That's hard. That's hard. So what did God do for us? In Acts 17, truly these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Because He has appointed a day on which He will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom He has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all. The biggest trump card in history by raising Him from the dead. Have you ever thought about that? When we go out to share the gospel with people once a month as a church. When you start talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You're talking about power. In Acts 4.12. Nor is there salvation in any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now church. That's our mandate to preach that gospel. If you're here and you have not repented and you have not you have simply turned away from God. You, you say, I'm going to do it my way. You say, I'm going to believe all the nonsense. You want to follow blue-haired people around. Pierced like a tackle box. Go for it. Okay. Do it. Do it. But I promise you this. They will turn and tear you in pieces. They will consume each other. And God still commands you to repent. Because... God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish. God knows how to preserve His people out of that, but have everlasting life. And then the death that you, or the life that you live, you will live by grace through the Son of God who gave Himself for you. Do not let the culture dictate terms for your faith. Don't be foolish. Live the scripture. Live it. Be a man or a woman of the book. And when you see hypocrisy, and you surely will, rebuke them lovingly, firmly, scripturally. Let's start to make a dent in this thing. Because we have a very victorious Savior. Right? JT is going to play a bit. The altar is open. If you don't know Christ, today, here's what you do. God, have mercy on me. I'm going to die in my sin and I don't want to be without you. God, help me. Save me. I feel 
the fear. Thank you. Make me yours. And don't you leave until you can live.